0: How can you get a home when the bank says no? This podcast is dedicated to the one in 10 homeowners denied each year by the banks. Welcome to the pre-approved podcast. Hello, and welcome to the pre-approved podcast. I'm here with Justin Brown today, and I'll do a, a quick little intro on Justin. So he's a real estate investor, a loan officer, I think a branch manager. And is also a student of personal finance, a husband and father of four, and really loves helping people reach financial freedom, starting with their first home purchase. Got a really good passion around helping people succeed in all aspects of personal finance and building wealth. And I, I, uh, I checked you out on Google too, and I think you have over like a hundred five-star reviews just for being a loan officer in and of itself, yeah. which is kind of the uh, the intent of today's call. We got introduced um by a, by a mutual uh, acquaintance and he kind of said, "Hey, Justin might be a good guy just based on your investor background, your your desire for personal finance and the fact that you kind of know mortgage loan originator." So, welcome to the podcast, Justin.
1: Hey, thank you so much.
0: So, where are you based out of?
1: I'm in Southern California, like right outside Los Angeles.
0: And so, you are you're doing you're doing multiple hats. How how does that kind of balance out or which one do you tend to focus on more? Or which one are you wearing? <laughs>
1: Well, I've, I've been in the mortgage space for about 20 years. In the first 10 years, I was like a loan processor and then an ops manager. And I got really good at putting loans together for other people. And then when the crash happened, I went off on my own and started originating. And I was successful pretty quick because I, thankfully, those 10 years I was on the back end, I worked for some really good loan officers. and some really bad ones. So I, I learned a lot, you know, what to do and what not to do. So I was thankfully successful pretty quickly. But then it turned into nights weekends you know it really sucked in my life so then i had to learn how to run a business which is a whole different skill set and that took some time and um through that process you know learned how how to build systems processes There's just excellent book traction i don't know if you know you've heard of that that's an amazing book that helped change my life with my business um so once i got my business kind of up and running you know systematized and i had more time to start growing and, and venturing into other things I also realized, you know, nobody's ever going to care about my finances or my future as much as me. So that's why I started diving into personal finance. Like, yes, I hire people, financial advisors, CPAs and things like that. And they give good advice and good guidance, but it's usually general, pretty broad. They don't dive in and spend the hours and hours on your stuff like you should. So that's what sent me on my journey with personal finance stuff and started investing in real estate and looking for ways to legally pay less taxes and make more income and grow wealth. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's been a fun journey through that. And, and because of being able to leverage systems and processes and grow my mortgage practice into a successful machine, um, that's allowed me to spend more time, you know, getting other things going for my future.
0: So that's a, it's a common trait that I hear. So, this podcast is specifically dedicated to a 2018 statistic that one in 10 people get denied a bank loan. and that could be for a barrage of regions. And I think what's unique is you probably understand the starting your own business and the ability to get a bank loan more than probably you know 99.9% of people because you are certified as a, as a loan originator, but you also have the practicality of starting your own business and what that can look like just from a cash flow standpoint and a management. So I was going to break it out into, into two things. So if you put on your loan originator hat or your, or your, your business kind of mor- mortgage hat, how many people do you come across and how many get approved just from your statistics? And then secondly, what is what is the main reason um, that they may or may not be approved
1: for, for a primary honestly, home
0: mortgage, I should say?
1: Yeah. So, so I typically come across anywhere from 150 to 200 you know applicants a month. That reach out and say, "Hey, we want to buy a home or, or come to me for financing." So we, we see a lot of people. Um, the the typical reasons are FICO score; their their scores are just too low. They just don't have you know the credit, or they have too much debt. You know their their, their debt obligations are just too high, or their income just doesn't support you know, what the prices are in their market or what they would need to do. So you have, you know, I'm in Southern California and prices here are super expensive and you have some people that are very lucky to be paying very low rent because of either rent control where the rents haven't been raised in years and years. And, you know, they might be paying 1200 a month in rent right now, but when they realize their mortgage payment in this market, it's going to be closer to 3000, 3500. It's just, there's no way. Right. Thankfully though, with, with remote, stuff going on right now that's opening things up quite a bit for people to start looking at other markets. One of my, um, one of my assistants, my right-hand people who's been with me, she's been with me like over five years. Um, she just bought a home in, in uh, outside of Nashville. It was a beautiful home, beautiful home, you know, and she never would have been able to buy that type of property out here. So it was, it was really cool, you know, to see that happening. And I think that opportunity is opening up more and more for people.
0: Sure. So, so you kind of broke down the, the main reasons being the FICO or the debt to income ratio or people just maybe yeah. having a bigger appetite than what they can, um, for, for their specific area affordability. Yeah. Yeah. So out of those, out of those, maybe 150 to 200 a month, how many would you say get a, get approved on the first shot?
1: So typically 60, 50 to 60% of them will actually follow through, run credit, send us their paperwork. Right. And then from there, it probably gets cut in half again. It's probably back down to anywhere from 40 to 60% of them will actually qualify. Um, sometimes people might qualify, but not gonna qualify for what's realistic either, you know, uh, again, based on affordability in the market. So it gets chopped down a couple of ways, you know, one, just people committing and following through with wanting to see what's possible. And then from there, depending on the month and the mix of business, 40 to 60% of them will actually qualify. And the rest, it just doesn't work for one of those reasons.
0: And we, we've kind of had some different experts on that. I've talked about the true conventional, like agency style loans. And then there's maybe the non QM and then maybe going private Mm -hmm. from your experience. Are you focused specifically on like Fannie Mae, uh, Freddie Mac style loans, or do you guys get into like in-house portfolio loans or any private mortgages as well?
1: So my, my typical client, the bulk of my business is first time buyers and with portfolio and private loans, you typically have to put more money down. Um, So I don't, I, we do have portfolio products. We have bank statement loans. We have, you know, loans that are great for self-employed individuals, but that's, that's a small portion of my business. I don't focus on it too much. So primarily Fannie, Freddie, FHA, and VA.
0: And those, for for anyone that wanted like the the quick skinny, it's always tough of like, okay, what credit score do I need? And it seems like the answer is always, well, it depends. And then people get a little bit frustrated because like, well, does that mean 500 does that mean 580 does that mean 640 does that mean 700 like that's a that's a 250 point swing when someone just says it varies is there is there any good answer that you found to that other than it it varies
1: yeah well for fha the the actual fha guideline is a minimum 580 fico with less than 10 percent down um but your debt to income, like we still run it through an automated underwriting system that could deny you still, you might have a 580 FICO, but you still get denied because of just your credit has a ton of risk on it or recent risk and you have no reserves and you know, you haven't paid any recent bills on time. So there's still risk that gets weighed and you can still get turned down even if you make the minimum FICO requirements. and then with FHA, or I'm sorry, with conventional, my company's minimum FICO score is 640, but I almost never will see the system approve somebody with credit that low and low down payment on, on conventional. Plus the rate and everything on conventional with a FICO that low is way too high. FHA is gonna be cheaper. Um, you can, if you do do 10% down with FHA, I've seen FICOs as low as like 520 get accepted. I had one lady who really bad credit, 520 FICO. She was doing actually 25% down. And we were able to qualify her, you know, with, with horrible credit because of the amount of money down. And FHA is more lenient. But if you're doing less than 10%, it's definitely minimum 580.
0: Sure. Have you come across anyone in your similar shoes where um, they either started their business and they were looking at you and you said, you know what? We're either not a good fit or you would point them to another resource. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, if someone truly wanted to become a real estate agent or start their own daycare or start their own construction company, And they maybe don't quite understand that, hey, I'm leaving a accounting job that gives me a W-2 that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac look at very differently than if you start your own business. Is there any advice that you would have for someone thinking about that or someone maybe a year into it on if they were going to do it um, and, and try to get a home loan, like things that they should consider?
1: Yeah. So one, you're gonna need a two year history of being self employed before you'll qualify because the bank's like, yes, you started a new business, that's awesome, but we need to see stability and trending income, right? We need to be able to uh, we need to be able to predict and assume what the income should be doing. And to do that, we look at a two year average. So if you don't have a two year average, you're not gonna qualify with a traditional loan.
0: And the two year um, average then the other thing, is that a two year average of tax statements, of monthly bank tax statements.
1: statements tax statement. So you can get a 12 month bank statement type program where they'll look at deposits and you know, ask for P and L and stuff like that. That's typically going to be anywhere from 10 to 25% down. And the less you put down, you're looking at pretty high interest rates. You're going to pay for it. Um, but one thing that people don't realize on top of that is you have all these benefits, these tax benefits of being self-employed, which are amazing. And I love them too. But when you dwindle your income down at the end of the year to show, let's say your business made two hundred grand, and you write off everything you can, and then all of a sudden your profit shows thirty grand in income. Well, that's what the banks are going to use for your income. So you kind of—it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, So what I did in the past—you can't have your cake and eat it too. Unfortunately, not. Um, And I've been in that situation too when I was buying my first home and went started originating loans and and stuff, and I was self-employed. So. I had to bite the bullet and put myself on payroll and just, I just made life easier. You know, I put myself on a W2 through my company and so talk, know, there, there's talk lots of other. A
0: little bit, because I don't know that many um, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, just from, from that standpoint, there's like, okay, I'm just going to file my LLC taxes and that's just the way it is. So did you end up, you know, um, getting yourself as a W2 employee, like whether that was through an S or a C corp or just paying yourself? Yeah. Cause then, cause then it looks a little bit different on an income, even though you're probably paying the taxes on it, you know, for, for, you know, the normal social security and different things that you have, but do you wanna elaborate on that just a little bit?
1: Yeah, so, you know, talking to my CPAs and financial advisors at the time, trying to figure out the best way to maximize tax benefits, but also qualify for a home. And I, I, you know, looked at my budget and figured, okay, if I W2 myself this much every month, what what I'm gonna walk away with is actually enough for me to just cover my expenses. And then the rest, I'm just gonna save in the business or, you know, invest in other places. So it was kind of good because it kind of set me on a budget by setting my W-2 up. Um, it's painful to pay the taxes, but there was a lot of other benefits and strategies we came up with between me and between the CPAs advising me, um, with you know setting up a, a, a Roth, uh, a Roth 401k, you know having a company match. So there was lots of other benefits that were able to come up that helped offset the taxes I was paying. That made it you know very beneficial not only to be able to qualify for a house, but also be able to, you know, tax be Have some wealth growing tax-free.
0: So where it's it's very apparent that you have a zest, a knowledge, and a and a passion for this personal finance. Where where did that where did that start? Where did that come from?
1: So I'm not an expert on it at all. I'm just always learning, and I get excited about it, and I love sharing stuff that I learn. Um, it came about because I, I honestly grew up without any money, you know a uh, single mom. Uh, she was at work all the time. I was taking care of myself, you know, one bedroom apartments at times. And I just grew up with that money. And once I actually started doing well in my twenties in the mortgage industry, I was bad with it. Like, I just didn't know what to do. I went on, I went on a spree and it was just bad. And then I got married, had kids and and subsequently got divorced. And after my divorce, I ended up with zero back in my bank accounts. And I was in my early thirties and just like, what am I doing? You know, um, you know, I had financial advisors and CPAs, and at this time, I didn't have any of the things set up that I do now. And I just kind of realized at that point, nobody cares about your future or your money the way you do. I need to start learning this stuff. Like, yes, I still use professionals. Yes, I still, you know, rely on their advice. But I ask questions. I read books. I research. I, watch pod- I listen to podcasts. I watch YouTube. I do my own homework. And I suggest that's what everybody should be doing. Is Never just go with the status quo. Like, you need to take control of your own knowledge of what's going on with your money.
0: Sure. So you, you broke out a couple of things that I'd like to to dig into a little bit. It was OK, if people just sit there and kind of have external forces acted upon them and they don't really know what their personal financial situation is that that appears to be, you know, when you can get caught, you know, in, in some sort of Web. But what you're suggesting is, you know, self educate, but then potentially, yeah. you know, educate through experts. And so, you know, those are a couple of things that, you know, I myself personally believe in, whether it's books or podcasts or different things that are either free or at a really low cost. But then there's different things like masterminds or coaches or CPAs and financial consultants that are like, this is all that they do and can maybe provide some specialized knowledge. So if you were, if you were looking at maybe those two different buckets of just general self-education, and really good resources that you like or people or things that you would recommend in addition to maybe some content that, that, that you would put out, Justin, um, that, that type of education piece, where would you recommend people start just with Google, with books, with podcasts? How do they, how do they kind I, I of- say
1: books? I love books. I have audible and I listen to them every morning right now. I'm, I'm listening to a book from the rich. So my favorite book that I always thought was going to be very basic and never picked it up and I regret not doing it a lot younger in life was rich dad, poor dad, amazing book. Um, I'm listening to a second one in the series right now there's a series of books from him too. Uh, right now one it's tax free wealth, it's really, Hey, one, one easy quick way to make more money without having to work more is figure out how to legally reduce your taxes. So I'm listening to that book. And honestly, as I listen to these books, as I self-educate, I have, I use Evernote and I'm on my phone and I'm constantly taking all these notes and then I'll I'll reach out to my CPA or financial advisor. Hey, we need to meet. I want to ask you questions. How do I do this? What are the benefits? What are the pros and cons? You know, and there's so many times that I bring up stuff that they've never mentioned to me. And it's just kind of like, oh yeah, we could do that. It's like, okay. But then, but that's what I'm saying is, you know, they will do the status quo. They'll do what they're supposed to, their fiduciary duty, but they're not gonna look for angles and ways they're busy. You gotta do that.
0: Yeah, they're they're gonna take all the low hanging fruit apply it across the board. Yeah. Like, oh, what do you what do you mean you had a home office? Yeah, I guess you can write off, you know, a thousand square yeah. foot or something like that. And like, oh yeah, there's there's another five grand we can take off. And you're like, well, why 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 is Justin bringing this forth? But like you said, they they maybe either didn't know or they have a thousand of these that they're going through and didn't quite realize. Like, hey, this is a specific situation that applies to Justin.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so
0: you, you mentioned maybe CPA and financial advisors being some some helpful um, individuals. Would you suggest that for if, if you're not in real estate, or you're just generally trying to get your financial self in order? Um, in addition to some books, would you recommend that they just start there? Or do you think that there are a couple key people that they should potentially hire or maybe go to through some maybe free counseling or different stuff just to get their, you know, financial house in order, whether it's like a Dave Ramsey Or if it's, uh, uh, you know, another program where some people like, oh, I I never want to pay for anything, but sometimes paying for it actually makes you care a lot more. And, you know, depending on your situation, it's it's tough to explain that. But um, having invested myself, you know, personally, it's like, okay, if I listen to Rich Dad Poor Dad on YouTube for free, and there's an ad every five minutes, versus if Mm -hmm. I buy the book on Kindle for $3, all of a sudden, I have like way more attachment to the $3 one, because I spent money to it versus this one that's, giving me an ad every 10 minutes, and I get frustrated with it.
1: Yeah, I no, so, you know, so everybody's in different stages, and, and that's why some of the stuff I'm putting out talks about the different steps, right, on building wealth. And I think when you're at the beginning, very beginning stage, you're working a W2 job, you're, you know, where do I go from here? I'm just starting my family, I'm just like trying to figure out where should I save, I don't really have much save, or just starting, right? So I think the number one thing, and Dave Ramsey says the same thing, like, I'm not saying anything new, I'm saying stuff I've learned that I believe in, Um, is creating a budget. You got to get on a budget. You know, I I learned that I saw something the other day how 33% of millionaires um, made less than 100 grand a year in income, you know, throughout their lives. And they were still able to become millionaires. And it's like running a business without a business plan. If you don't have a budget, it's just, you can't wing it. So one easy way I tell people is print out your last month's bank statements and highlight all your want spending. Just go through it and everything that was a want, highlight it. Anything that's not a necessity, add it up. And cut half of it, keep cutting until you could put 15 to 20% of your income away. Um, and then from there, you know, you got to get rid of debt because debt is just, you know, credit cards and, and auto loans. You got to get rid of that stuff. Um, now, there's good debt and bad debt. So I get into that, you know, another time, but getting rid of bad debt, you know, credit cards and stuff like that. So once you're in a spot where you're budgeting, you're saving money, you, you, you got rid of all this ugly debt. Then it's time to put a couple months, you know, three to six month reserve aside. I think those are the first steps for anybody, no matter where you're at. You've got to have your foundation below you before you build a house on it, right? After that, I think the step is to, okay, start looking at, you know, um, and through that you can start looking at earning income at other sources, side hustles, all of that. And as soon as you're self-employed and you have some some self-employed income coming in, yes, that is when you need to start talking to CPAs and financial advisors to make sure you're making more money by paying less taxes legally. Um, but if you're not there and then, then the next step is you stop renting, you, you start working on becoming a homeowner build massive wealth through homeownership. Um, and then once you own a home though, you want to make sure you can still save that 15 to 20% of your income though. So you don't want to be house poor and have it turn into a burden. It needs to be an asset.
0: So, talk about the wealth and home ownership and potential correlations, because you you kind of mentioned that, or I'd mentioned that in the in your intro on how that's potentially a huge piece on the path towards financial freedom. That that was. Yeah. Um, is there any statistics, or is there you know just some ideas? I know there was a few books like the Millionaire Real Estate or the uh, the Millionaire Next Door and different things about how so much yeah. wealth is typically in the home. Um, do you want to just yeah. maybe elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a quick example I'll give a lot of my clients. Um, you know, if you buy, and this is more for my market, but if you buy a four hundred thousand dollar home with FHA, um, and we use it just to average four percent appreciation. Right now, we're through the roof on that. But let's just the history of real estate has been like six percent or five, whatever, right? So let's use four percent appreciation.
0: And, and just to for buy context, former- and just for context, what is the current appreciation in California? Because you know, here in North Dakota, it's like okay, yeah, three four percent. So I mean, did you guys reach double digits yet?
1: I think we have, and, and I'm not even paying attention to it because it's not sustainable,
0: sure. but,
1: but it is a supply and demand market right now, which is healthy. You know, there's just no supply. and There's high demand and low rates. But so I did the math and, you know, $400,000 purchase with, you know, let's say 4% appreciation and your initial investment on that with FHA minimum down is about $21,000. Well, over five years at 4% appreciation, that home's going to then be worth 480 instead of 400. And you'll, um, You'll have had about $29,000 in tax saving benefits. Your loan balance will be about 360. So that 21,000 in five years starts to equate to $149,000. That ROI is not attainable anywhere else. If you put that 21,000 in your bank account, it's not going to be worth 149 in five years unless you got lucky and hit a home run on a stock or something. You did GameStop and and pulled your money out in time. yeah. So it's just, it's staggering when you look at the ROI on buying a home between the appreciation you're going to get, you know, you're paying down the balance every month and the tax benefits you get. That 21000 as a renter, you're going to spend all that money and, you know, you're going to have that money in the bank and make nowhere near that.
0: no oh, that's, that's a really good point. So just, yeah, comparing, contrasting different areas where California that the mortgage is actually more than the rent. Whereas in other places like, you know, maybe the Midwest where the rent is potentially less than the mortgage or sorry, the other way around where the mortgage yeah. is less than the rent. And so then that even compounds further, you know, even if you yeah. in California, we're like, hey, I can pay half as amount in a mortgage, but still it's going to turn out when you're in different areas where your mortgage would be $600 and the rent is $1,000. Well, now that, I mean, that's even a larger spread on the potential four year difference on a $400,000 home.
1: And, and another way that I believe if if the situation fits you as a first time buyer with FHA financing, you could buy a four unit property with three and a half percent down. The first home I bought was a four unit property, three and a half percent down. You only have to live there for a year. So you find a property that has four units. I, the one I found, I was lucky, was detached units too. So I had my own little yard and everybody else did too. Um, and I was actually cash flowing 300 a month living mortgage and rent free. And then you could save for your next purchase which you only have to do 5% down on your next purchase. So, you know, three and a half percent down, um, you know, and then being able to save and then buy another home 12 months later with 5% down. And if you're able to save that by living rent free, mortgage free, it's pretty cool.
0: Man, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and do a, uh, do a second home in Florida like everybody's doing nowadays where they're, they're getting yeah. like a condo on the beachfront and, and renting. it I was like a short-term rental after they lived there for a year. I don't know how the second home, you know, piece works, but it seems like that's a pretty popular thing nowadays.
1: Yeah, second home's ten percent down, but um, you could buy it and live there for a year, five percent down, and then move out after and turn it into a rental or second home. You know, you got to occupy the property for twelve months is the whole deal uh, to buy it as a primary.
0: And so, Justin, although you're in California and that's you know mostly where you focus, um, New American, who you who you work with, is actually nationwide. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Um, so, we could do loans in all states except New York and Hawaii.
0: Okay. And so if people want it, so, so there's those different hats, but how can different people hear about you? We, I try to keep these to maybe 30 minutes or so. So as we're wrapping up to the end here, you know, if someone's like, oh, I really like when Justin talked about, you know, when he bought a, a fourplex, or I really like the idea yeah. of, you know, the, the wealth strategies and different things. So uh, an easy way, you know, to find you that I can link is, you know, either your email for your mortgage, but how about some of the other things that you have going on? How can people find it? Instagram's
1: you? my focus. Instagram okay. or YouTube. Those are my two focuses. So my Instagram's at loans by JB. And my YouTube's linked on there too. I don't have a personal YouTube link. It's really long, I think. <laughs> but but definitely my Instagram's my focus. I love putting content on there because I could drop just quick 30 second tips that are easy to, to watch and consume. And then from there you can link over to my YouTube to get more details and, and descriptive videos.
0: I love it. I love the focus on the channel. And there's a lot of individuals, you know, going to there and, and the fact that you're just putting out really good content to help educate people is a, is a fantastic way of helping, helping just Americans in general. But, uh, I, I imagine helping, uh, just build your own personal brand as well.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's fun. I'm having fun doing it. It's exciting for me. And I like setting people up the right way when they buy their first home so that they can continue to build after, you know, sure.
0: Um, th- this question is always a little bit tricky, depending on your situation. But what does what does twenty twenty one look for you? Do you are you a goal setter? Are you hoping to focus on a few things versus others?
1: Yeah, yeah. know. Um. Right now, I have you know multiple businesses. I'm, I'm looking at opening another one that I'm going to be working on. I'm going to start launching uh, free webinars on all this. It's going to be like an hour long webinar where I go through personal finance, buying your first home, and all of that. And I'm excited about that. Um, and then my goal is once the eviction moratoriums are lifted is to probably purchase some more properties this year, some more rentals and keep building that passive income.
0: I love it. Okay. Well, everyone, you know how to get a hold of Justin. Justin, thanks for kind of breaking down the investor, the mortgage side, and and basically the idea of creating your own kind of passive income stream through multiple businesses. So just want to say thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. Anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, no, I think we covered a lot. No, it was, it was good. All right. Well, thanks again. And we'll drop off here. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. You can always learn more by reaching out to us at home Have a good day.